Okay, thank you guys. All right, now we're going to turn to our scripture for this morning. Um, and as we do, I just have one kind of comment to get us ready. We're going to be um, in Matthew this morning, and uh, last night we were in Luke, so we're looking at uh, different uh, versions of the same story, of the Christmas story. But uh, as we enter, I just kind of have a thought to prepare our hearts as we hear the story. You know, as uh, people have been encountering Jesus for many, many years now, there's really three access points that have been identified for how people come to deepen their faith or even to just actualize their faith for the first time. And perhaps you know these. Um, They would be goodness, truth, and beauty. And one of the things that I've noticed as we have, uh, you know, journeyed in the last few years with Jesus and, and, and the church and Christianity is that something like goodness can really be debated, right, in the news about if being a Christian or following Jesus, if Jesus is really good, if Christianity is really good. And there's a lot of times where people like to pick on Christians or the church, especially when mistakes are made, and say, well, can't you see that Christianity isn't good? Or the same thing with truth, you know, there's so much debate about truth and different versions of truth, and um, we all have our access points and ways in which we perceive things, and so there's a lot that gets thrown onto truth, like what really is truth? In fact, Pilate even says, um, uh, what is truth, right before Jesus is sentenced. Um, to crucifixion. And then there's beauty. And the thing about beauty is it's really hard to argue with because it's not something that you can name or really understand. It's something that just sort of happens, right? That there's something that when you really look, when you really pay attention, uh, it just, that's the word that comes out. Like when you are walking down the street and you see like a, a flower in bloom, something inside of you just says, yes, like, this is good, this is beautiful, this is true. And I want us to think about uh, the, the story this morning in this way, that, like, almost like, if you would, uh, like, a, like a sacred, beautiful painting that has been covered over or needs restoration and needs just all the things that have been heaped on it by age and time and by misunderstanding, and to just maybe do the slow, gentle work of restoring uh, this beautiful story. And I know you've probably heard it many times. You heard it last night, some of you did. But there's a way by which I think if we really approach the story uh, with reverence, that we can hear it in a new way, especially in such a wonderful and sacred time we get to share together on the actual day, right, of Jesus' birth. One of my favorite writers is a guy named John O'Donohue, and I recommend him to you maybe later if you remember. Go listen to his on-being interview, because I can't do his words justice here because he's Irish, and he just has this amazing accent, and uh, he, he's an expert on Celtic spirituality, and he really uses philosophy and theology together in order to teach some really deep and profound points about God. 
And this is one of his points on beauty. He says this, what you encounter, recognize, or discover depends to a large degree on the quality of your approach. When we approach with reverence, great things decide to approach us. And so there's this way he's talking about there's a dynamic relationship. I think we can think about that uh, with a Christmas story that if we approach this story with reverence, with the appropriate amount of reverence for what it really truly is, that maybe it too will approach us and teach us more about what is to be revered and what matters most for us as well. So with that in mind, uh, let me pray real quick and I'll read the story. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you that you were born today, that uh, this Christmas uh, is worthy of celebration again this year. Lord, um, we thank you that uh, you are uh, good and you are true and you are beautiful. Help us to see that in the story this morning and to just open our hearts to reflect on your word and what it means for us now. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay. Matthew chapter 2 says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star and when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went out ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Um, we have a depiction of this scene. I think we got it, Heather, we got it. Um, this is one of many pieces that is in a tradition, an art tradition called the Adoration of Jesus. And I love this tradition because it, it just speaks so for a Christmas morning, 
for a Christmas night, whenever <laughs> these um, shepherds and these angels and these wise men, which is really the main feature in our story today, um, what their response was when they saw Jesus. It was a response, a response of adoration. There's something about how sacred and beautiful that space was that they were all sharing together, that there was really no other appropriate response than the response of adoration. Spiritual formation writer Richard Foster writes this about adoration. He says, adoration is the spontaneous yearning of the heart to worship, honor, magnify, and bless God. We ask nothing but to cherish him. We seek nothing but his exaltation. We focus on nothing but his goodness. And so for a moment, I just want us to kind of pause and recognize what is happening in our hearts when we can really see who Jesus is. Um, when we can really be captivated by the beauty of Christmas morning. And we can cut through all the distractions and all the things that kind of derail us from really taking a good look at Jesus. And, you know, it's important to have these moments of pause because what they, they do is they help us to stick on the things that matter. There's a, a psychologist, a, neuropsych, uh, a neuropsychologist named Dan O'Grady, and he says that neuropsychology can demonstrate that the brain has a negative bias, meaning that our brains prefer to concentrate around fear and negative emotion and problematic situations, and you probably know what I'm talking about, probably don't have to explain it to you too much, um, that somehow our brains, they like to focus on negative things, the, the things that are challenging us. And yet the things that are good, uh, the things that are really important, um, sometimes if we don't spend time thinking and reflecting on those things, uh, we, we can get so uh, distracted by the things that are troubling us that we can miss what we've been given in this, even in this scene, right? That we can be stressed out and anxious and frustrated. We know we have problems to solve later today and certainly in the new year. But for this moment, maybe what we could do like Mary is just, just look upon this scene, this manger scene, and, and treasure up all the things uh, that it means in our heart. And even what that means for our families as well, right? Like I think about my kids this morning and the look on their face, uh, the joy that they had as they got up this morning and bugged us to get up and they looked out at all the presents and the, just the, the sense by which they're only gonna be young at Christmas for so long. And it could be easy to miss that because there's a lot of work to do. But to meditate on whatever that is and to really appreciate it deeply as a gift 
from God, that he has given us um, not only just uh, this wonderful story, but all of the a million truths and beauties and goodnesses that go out from this story. That we can't even imagine life without Christmas. We couldn't even know what it would be to do a season like December without this story. And so it moves in ways that, that we forgot, that we have lost the deep appreciation for because we never lived in a time where there wasn't a Christmas. And yet, it, its meaning undergirds us and it holds us and its beauty uh, transforms us and who we are. And it does its work uh, just out of free gift, sheer grace. And so, um, would you take a moment, just in silence, in the silence of your heart, and would you think about, about something that, that you can adore Jesus for this Christmas? And we'll just spend a moment in silence, and just in the silence of your heart, just raise a prayer of gratitude for this Christmas morning. psalmist writes in Psalm 103, praise the Lord my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not his benefits. There's just one last picture that I want to show you because I think there's a final way that adoration uh, should be considered. This is uh, the feast of the lamb. This is a depiction of Jesus and his uh, final posture, his final second coming here from the book of Revelation on earth. And you can see here, it's a big to-do, right? There's like, like when you read Revelations, you're like, man, that, it's a big to-do. There is a big celebration that's going on because of Jesus. Um, and I want to read to you from Revelation 19, because what happened uh, at Christmas is, is really uh, something that, that shows us a great promise, and its fulfillment happens in the book of Revelation. It says this, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out hallelujah for the Lord our God the almighty reigns let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen 
bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. And so we receive the blessing spoken here of this invitation that today I pray that you can ponder up the good things and treasure them in your heart about Christmas, but that you can also really truly celebrate, like really truly take the today, the rest of today to have a party, to be excited. And that too is a way for you to adore Jesus because he's made the party possible. He's made it possible for us to celebrate no matter what season we're in because we have this great promise that we're headed to a time when all of the problems won't matter anymore. And all that will matter is that we get to be with Jesus and to celebrate him and all that he has done and all that he has given us. So my prayer is that the beauty, the great beauty of Christmas morning would captivate your heart. And maybe like Dorothy Day, uh, who started the Catholic worker movement, we could learn together, like she used to say, that beauty will ultimately save the world. Or let me leave you with Walt Whitman. He says this, after the seas are all crossed, as they seem to already have been crossed, after the great captains and engineers have accomplished their work, after the noble inventors, after the scientists, the chemists, the geologists, finally shall come the poet worthy of that name, the true son of God shall come singing his songs. And so all the work we do, all the great things that happen on this earth, finally give way to the beauty of Jesus who is at the center of it all. With that in mind, let's pray to receive this great beauty. Lord Jesus, like the wise men, like these magi, who when they saw you, they knew they were in the right place, who when they encountered you knew that the only posture that made sense was one of worship and adoration, so too take hold of our hearts. Lord, not so much that we strive by our own might to do the right thing so much as we are compelled by your beauty to walk in your way and to experience the fullness of life that only you can provide. And so leaving behind the things that are secondary for what is primary. What a blessing, what a sacred blessing to be invited to your great feast, Lord Jesus. Fill our hearts with gladness this day as we enjoy it together. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen.